my name is Lisa Cook, and I'm the ISACA GRC Professional Practices Principal. Welcome to another ISACA podcast. We are so excited to have with us Amanda Tucker. She's going to be talking with us about leveraging agile concepts for neurodiverse auditors. Amanda, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. Uh, my name is Amanda Tucker. I'm from Louisiana. I grew up in New Orleans, and I will never give up my 504 area code phone number. <laughs> uh, that's a big thing. I live in Baton Rouge now, so I moved a whopping 73 miles up the road, and it's practically like living in another country some days. So, <laughs> yeah, I moved to Daytona not too long ago, so I'm, I'm getting used to being in the South. So what would you say is the biggest difference between uh, New Orleans and uh, Baton Rouge? Uh, New Orleans is a really big, small town. And everybody knows everybody. And there is a very strong tradition with high schools and families. So when you meet somebody, first question you ask them is, oh, where are you from? New Orleans. Where'd you go to high school? Like, it's a it's a thing. Okay. Um, my son is in speech therapy. And I was talking to his speech therapist. And I made a very very like niche reference to something at my high school and she picked up on it immediately. Wow. I'm like, hey, are you also from New Orleans? And she was like, yes. I'm like, did you also go to Mount Carmel? I went to Mount Carmel. She was like, yes. And then Baton Rouge is very much LSU. We have the entire LSU campus about five miles from my house. Mm -hmm. So once you go past a certain point, it is college town. But then you set you step foot off of campus and it is a completely different world. Wow. So that's so exciting. I remember I went to Syracuse and it was a little bit like that. Uh, it was a big college town for a little bit. And then you had the town and then the people in college. So I totally understand. But anyway, enough of that. Just uh, very exciting stuff about the different um, cultural differences, if I could say it that way. Uh, but today, like I said, we're here to talk about the uh, leveraging agile concepts for neurodiverse auditors. And I thought that was such an exciting topic. And thank you for the white paper you put together on that. Um, I wanted to start off by with some definitions, for example. Mm -hmm. What would you, would you mind defining neurodiversity? So if there's anyone out there unfamiliar with the term, we can level set. Sure. So neurodiversity, I mean, at its core is just brains are different. Um, but right now, the most common use of the concept is to say that someone is neurotypical and their brain developed in a way that is expected. They they receive, they process information pretty similarly to the person standing, possibly standing next to them. Um, or you can say that someone's neurodiverse and that their brain developed slightly differently and that something is, as I like to say, just left to of center where it's not exactly what you would expect. So, um, you can be neurotypical or you can be neurodiverse. And breaking, going even further into that, neurodiversity is usually used in the context of talking about people that are autistic, um, ADHD, or have another learning disability. 
Okay, interesting. Um, can you share with us a little bit about some of the behaviors um, and barriers to success that neurodiverse individuals might face in the workplace? For example, you know, people in the IT audit profession. Mm -hmm. So um, really anything that can be considered an executive function. Uh, and that's executive function is this whole class of activities that you expect people to have once they finish college and they come into the workplace. And it covers things like planning, um, task management, prioritizing work, um, focus, honestly, um, task initiation, that sort of thing. Anything that kind of falls under this executive function umbrella. I like to joke some days that my executive function is not functioning uh, <laughs> because I have five things I know I need. I know I need to do them, but uh, I they all seem important. Or I think that one thing is going to take maybe 15 minutes, but then it turns out it took three and a half hours. Absolutely. So it's the things that are that you would commonly expect someone coming into the audit profession to be able to do on their own mm -hmm. with maybe some coaching um, if they're brand new, like brand new hire, no prior work experience, um, or if they're middle of the career, you expect them to be able to just do it. Uh, so those are like the biggest things. Right, right. And when you talk about executive function, a lot of what you're saying is really what people in the audit profession are doing all the all the time, right? Yeah. Um, planning. What were some of the other ones that you mentioned? Um, planning, prioritization. Yeah, yeah. Like focusing on things, retaining, remember, remembering instructions, for example. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Juggling multiple. Look, the biggest one is juggling multiple tasks. That's what we do uh, in the audit profession for sure. So, Amanda, tell us, you know, why did you specifically identify the Agile framework? to tie in and address these challenges? Because it's clean, it's well known. People are familiar with the tenets of Agile um, and it the framework is very good at addressing the things that people that are neurodivergent have challenges with. So planning, you have an Agile sprint with it's very shortened timeline and defined deliverables. Planning a sprint requires not just the individual, it requires other people on the team. So that addresses the whole planning arm of it. It addresses prioritizing work. It addresses like in clear communication in terms of what is going to be the outcome of the sprint. This is it. Um, and then some people um, that are neurodiverse, like, they, their dopamine, their bodies just don't produce enough dopamine and they need a deadline to have that extra kick. Mm -hmm. And so having a hard deadline of this deliverable is due on this date and it is short term. It's not midterm. It's not long term. It is a short term deadline mm -hmm. helps stay on task, helps really drive the energy into completing something. Whereas if it's in the mid you know, midterm, long-term future, you can look at it and be like, oh, I have two weeks to do that. Right. I have three weeks to do that. But people that are neurodiverse also tend to have challenges with appropriately like 
planning time. They're very, very time blind. And I say they, I have ADHD. I'm so I am the world's most time blind person on the universe. I've been sitting in this chair for like three hours, so I would not be late. I joined, I joined the link on time because I was like, I'm not going to be late. Mm -hmm. uh, not get distracted by anything because it can happen. So the agile framework, it just, it's neat. It's common. I like neat things. They keep them organized, but the whole concept of a sprint and a very short term, very focused effort that everyone agrees on. It's fantastic. Okay. Sounds good. Well, let's define sprints for our audience in case anyone's not familiar with the agile concepts. Talk about that. Uh, and then how does that help uh, IT auditors? Where, where do they benefit from that? So a sprint is essentially a short recurrent work period. Um, some sprints are one week, some sprints can be two weeks, but each one is a very short period of time with very different find outcomes and sprints build on each other to complete a, they, they can honestly complete they can complete a task complete a story however you want to call it if you're doing like true agile um they build up to a story but it's i would say for neurodiverse individual it's fantastic because you can have an entire audit program that has like 10 steps in it. And you look at it, you're like, okay, I'm going to do the audit program. I have six weeks to do these three audit programs. Fantastic. So a neurotypical person will be like, all right, I have three audit programs, six weeks. I can do it because I know that this is what has to be done. I'm going to prioritize. I'm going to think about potential challenges ahead. A neurodiverse individual would look at it and say, all right, I have six weeks to do these three things. On average, it takes me this amount of time. This is the amount of time I'm going to allot to it. Um, and then either it gets done and there's no concern and no one knows the you know knows any differently, or there's a roadblock that they run into on week five that is going to cause a delay further down the line. So with a sprint, you can say you have this one week to do this set of steps in this work program and that way you can build on the work you can have a result you can see where a problem may come before you actually have that problem um and it's one of those things that yes it is fantastic for the neurodivergent individual that's like i need the adrenaline i need that i need I need the deadline and the threat of missing something to really get myself motivated to do this. Um, and it's short term, right? Like attention. Um, I only have to focus on this for this period of time. So it, me, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but to you know, break up um, the work into manageable chunks, which is the whole excuse me, concept of the sprints, um, mm -hmm. and then see those uh, successes uh, as you go through and ultimately conclude on an overall project. So that's mm -hmm. very, very important in, for neurodiverse uh, individuals is what you're saying. Yes. I mean, it's important for them in the sense of having that 
the clear expectation, mm-hmm. having a short term, having something that is manageable in that time slot. And it's good for a team because you're building on this work week after week and you can have more timely communications with whoever is being audited that we are seeing this, this is, you know, a potential issue. Do you have any additional information or, Hey, you didn't provide this evidence that we requested. We've realized this now versus, you know, five weeks down the line. So it's great for the individual because it's hitting all of the boxes. It could potentially hit all the boxes that they need, but also great for a team to have that shorter feedback loop and be able to really establish themselves with the organization they're auditing. um, If they're an internal audit function with the teams in the organization, that they are, that they're very transparent, that they communicate a lot and that there's no surprises. Okay. And so it seemed like another good uh, concept within uh, the agile methodology, there's different types of ways of uh, addressing agile, but uh, Mm -hmm. like the daily scrum meetings, right? So that, that meetup could be very beneficial. Would you Mm -hmm. agree? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you've, you expanded on that a little bit in the uh, article that you wrote. Yes. Sometimes, I mean, some people like to meet every single day. Um, I know that in at true agile auditing, um, subs, it, they have their 15 minute standup. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is what they do. I know that in some cases people don't like to have that 15 minute standup and they want to shift the timing of meeting to every other day um and that way it's more they have more time but that is very much dependent on the individual and the team and kind of what they want if the purpose of doing of using agile lot practices is to help a team member out it's very dependent on the team if the team is just using if the team's using agile uh, practices because of other reasons then it's a daily stand-up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think <clears throat> the, these concepts would help people who, I think, as you said, were neurotypical as well as neurodiverse. I mean, yeah. these things really help you to manage tasks. Um, how long have you been using this model and was it intentional? Um, for about 12 years and no. Um, I've been Baton Rouge and I'd say New Orleans, kind of regionally in Louisiana. Um, the IT audit world is very small. Mm-hmm. Um, so we joke that you just kind of go around to the different places and you're essentially working with the same people everywhere you go at different times. Mm-hmm. And um, so I have been working with the same director on and off for the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. And this is how he works. And he has always worked this way. And I kind of got sucked into it. And when we were having the conversations about what, you know, what did you do this week? What's upcoming? What do you need my help with? Um, because we I'm, we meet weekly with him daily, what we did for a while, but we were meeting, now we meet weekly because it, we have this like 12 year history. Um, 
it was funny because we had no idea what we were doing. And then we were like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know, like we are, we have incorporated agile practices into our audit process. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is why we're so successful with a bunch of things that we do. And then layering on top of that, when we were talking about ADHD and that in the context of things I was struggling with, we were like, this just makes sense. Mm-hmm. We just had like, he was doing this already naturally and it just kind of grew. And then we we're like, now we can put a like, now we can put a word to it. And this is why this works for us because it's addressing a lot of the challenges that we're having. So. Excellent. Excellent. Now there was another term that was introduced as I read the article and it was body doubling. So how can teams uh, improve collaboration through concepts like body doubling? Body doubling is my favorite thing. Yes. Um, I body double with someone I don't work with. It's fantastic. Uh, But body body doubling within a team is great because you're not really working on the same thing. You're just physically there and you're having that presence of someone else is working. I should be working too. It's that, that pressure of if they're working, I'm working, I don't want to interrupt them. So I'm going to do something. And it's, I almost, I almost want to say it's very casual, right? Because it's not a formal meeting. There's no objectives. It's just, you are, together working, either physically together working, or you just pull up a Teams, turn on your camera, mute yourself, and you're working. Um, It's fantastic within a team. I've body doubled with a couple of people on my team before. It's fantastic within a team because even though we're not working on the same thing, you have the opportunity to be like, hey, I'm working on this. I'm seeing this. Have you seen it before? And you can get that answer right there on the spot. And so it helps improve collaboration essentially through improving relationships between team members and informally opening up that door of communication. Whereas like if I am by myself, like in a cube in an office at home and I'm working on something, I'm struggling with something I may or may not reach out and be like, Hey, I'm having this problem until I'm checking in with somebody formally. Mm -hmm. So, but, Body doubling is my favorite. I get so much more done when I am next to another person, like virtually or physically. Right. So it sounds like that's a mechanism by which you can become more present, more mm-hmm. productive. Would you agree? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So w- another thing that you talk about in the article, uh, which brings me to a question, uh, why do you recommend building projects around individuals? Because people love... <sighs> when someone really is interested in what they're doing, mm-hmm. neuro, neurotypical, neurodiverse, it doesn't matter. When someone likes what they're doing, they're going to do it well. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to do it. And auditing is not exciting, right? Like, oh, I can't say that. We're not, I mean, <laughs> we are not out there. It's not as like, sexy as cybersecurity, maybe. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's not that. Um, one of my sisters is an OBGYN and she's like, today I delivered twins. And I'm like, today I reviewed access and identity management policies and procedures. And she's like, 
right? <laughs> so, you know, like... It gets us excited anyway. <laughs> right, like, there are aspects of this job that are not exciting, that, like, you don't... People, when I tell them what I do, their face glazes over, right? Like, no one wants to hear about what the IT auditor is doing. Again, it's not as sexy as, like, cybersecurity. So, <laughs> but it attracts a certain type of nerd. I just, you know, I'm putting it out there. I said it. Nerds. <laughs> Um, it attracts a certain type of nerd and we all like, we all have the special interest topics. So while it's not possible to build something a hundred percent around an individual, if you are working on a project, looking at work assignments and you're like, okay, well, I know that Amanda will tends to go down a research hole whenever she is introduced to a new technology, which is true. Um, I'm going to assign her to, you know, access and identity management because that's what I was doing yesterday. Um, access and identity management, uh, mm -hmm. because I know that they just implemented this new system. She's familiar with it. We can look at their implementation documentation and like, that is her thing. That is her bread and butter. Like I'm going to be super engaged with that because I like it. And it's going to potentially offset the fact that starting tab neurodiverse individuals have challenges with task initiation, basically starting something because if it seems too big or if it seems too hard um, or they don't have a clearly defined starting point, it's easier to avoid it. And then the deadline, then the deadline approaches, the adrenaline kicks in and you do it all in like three hours. Um, but if you build a project around someone's special interest, what they're, what they like, mm -hmm. it can help offset that. And honestly, people, when they are working on things that they like, they do a much better job of the work. The, the quality of work is so much better. I know it can't be done hundred percent. Not in all cases. Right. 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 Like you can't do it all the time. Mm -hmm. Someone is going to have to do the very, very boring things, but like you can offset that with the things that someone is interested in and you're going to get a much more engaged, much, much happier person. Again, neurotypical or neurodiverse. Exactly. I was going to say, it sounds like this is exactly what managers should be doing, right? You know, your people's strengths and weaknesses uh, and play to those strengths and, and try to bring in people that can Sure. So-called weaknesses. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have a question for you, though. Uh, um, I've read that sprint, not sprint, but agile methodologies, there's some criticism about it being a little bit too micromanagement. What, what are your thoughts about that? Would, would, again, neurodiverse, neurotypical. That's one of the challenges with implementing the practices mm -hmm. is because while I can sit here and say all these fantastic things about how frequently meeting and breaking up work and creating these like short-term like work cycles works great to address executive function dysfunction mm -hmm. for a lot of people, it can feel like micromanagement. And that's a challenge with, honestly, agile audit in, in general, and it requires a lot of team buy-in. Mm -hmm. 
to implement the practices because yes, it can 1000% feel like micromanagement. Um, if someone is not on board, if someone, if it is a completely different way of working than someone's used to, 100%, why don't you trust me to gauge how much time this is going to take? Why are you saying that we are going to meet frequently to discuss what I'm working on, what's coming up and any roadblocks I've had? You know, it, it 1000% yes, it can be very it, can it goes back to know, know your, know your employee, if I could say it that way. And just, you know, regardless where on that continuum, uh, knowing when to step back and when to step in is probably going to be key. Yes. Okay. Are there any other suggestions on accommodations or tools, process changes that would be beneficial uh, to the neurodivergent uh, individuals? So I would say honestly, frequent check-ins mm -hmm. um, is the most, the most universally applicable one because it very much de depends on the individual. Mm -hmm. And, but time blindness and task, init task initiation are the two things that like are pretty, I'd say pretty common. Okay. And so that frequent check-in, hey, how are you doing today? It doesn't have to be anything formal. It doesn't have to be anything long-winded. It can be as simple as a phone call, a Teams chat, or if you're physically with somebody, just walking over, hey, how are you doing? What are you working on? Do you need me today? Sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it can be that simple. But um, it definitely, it depends on the individual. Mm -hmm. And to kind of wrap up, what are the benefits of engaging and retaining uh, neurodiverse individuals on IT audit on the on the team. They, I'll say, a neurodiverse individual. They're going to be resilient. They are going to be someone that has basically spent their entire life working twice as hard for maybe half the output, um, seventy five percent maybe. But they've had to work through additional challenges. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to be creative because, again just one step off of center, that's a whole different path. And so they've figured out what works for them. Um, typically they're very self-aware and um, know what works for them, what doesn't work for them and can bring a perspective that like, Hey, I have, you know, like I've struggled with this for this amount of time. This is what works for me. Have you considered it? Mm -hmm. um, so just, you know, Creative, they've got this perspective that a lot of people don't have. And I'm saying they, as if I, this is, does not also apply to me. Um, and they're, they're just very, I'd say as a whole, most people that I've met that have been very honest about the fact that they're like, yeah, I'm neurodivergent. Um, yeah. They're very courageous because mm -hmm. they own it. They live in that space. They're upfront about the things that make that make their work life harder. And I think that that takes a lot of courage to say, I'm here. I want to do the work. I'm qualified to do the work. I'm going to need to work with you on these things. Mm -hmm. And I think that takes a lot of courage to tell somebody that, um, especially if it's a brand new hire that has like zero job experience and it, maybe they are interning and this is their first time, you know, being in a professional team environment. So, 
Oh, excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. That's about all the time we have. I really hope that this uh, discussion has really stimulated people to go out and uh, really look for um, your article on the subject. It's very fascinating. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. And thanks, everyone, for listening and viewing uh, another ISACA podcast. That's all for now. Thank you. Thank you.